Last night we had this Fado Do, which is, those of you who are unfamiliar with the concept, is a basically a Cajun dance. And it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. And I was there and, got to admit, a little awkward. You know, there are a few things more awkward than a priest at a dance. Maybe a middle schooler, but that's about it. <laughs> Not too much else compares. And, you know, you can't really dance with, with, with a whole lot of people and whatnot. But as I was kind of walking around and talking to some people, there was a, a family who had a little baby. And the little baby kind of like, you know, did like the little like reach. Like, you know, like, like, hey, you hold me, please. Obviously, the baby doesn't know me very well. But hold me, please. And so, you know, I reached out and I grabbed and held the baby. It was adorable. The baby's name was Isabel. And as I was holding little Isabel and kind of like, you know, bouncing her, this sad thought came to my mind. Very sad. I thought about this past Tuesday night. This past Tuesday night, January 22nd, Governor Andrew Cuomo signed a Senate bill, officially known as S-2796. Unofficially and deceptively, it was called the New York's Reproductive Health Act. I say deceptively because this bill had nothing to do with reproduction or health. And it's applicable only to the state of New York. For those of you who haven't heard of this bill, the bill states, and it's now law, that every individual who becomes pregnant has the fundamental right to choose to carry the pregnancy to term, to give birth to the child, or to have an abortion. Basically, what the bill litigates is that somebody can have an abortion all the way up until their, their due date. So you can, in theory, abort a fully formed baby in a womb. The new law also erases the state's recognition of preborn babies older than 24 weeks as potential homicide victims. It removes abortion from the penal code entirely and allows licensed health practitioners, other than full doctors, to commit abortions. This is grisly, to say the least. And I'll be honest, I don't really have a whole lot of words for it. So in order to kind of address this this abomination, what I want to do is I want to focus on some of the things that this this bill proposes and how how we can basically counteract these arguments about abortion. I want to talk about about six different different issues and six six different points that pro-abortion, abortionists or pro-choice people believe in. The first one I want to talk about is what this bill did. What this bill did was it, it, in order to approve or to, or to kind of erase the homicide of a, of, a, of, a, of a child in utero, what it did was it redefined a person. What it said was that a person is defined as a human being that is born and alive. A human being that is born and alive. Which basically means that you're not a person unless you're out of the womb. That the person, that the very, that, the, that a human being inside of the womb, according to the state of New York, is I don't know something that's just that isn't a person. I don't know what they, I don't know what they would define it as, but it's not a person. Now, it's kind of an absurd thought to think about because a baby inside the womb is like even up until the, like, especially if you think about just the day before its birth, is just as recognizable as a baby outside of the womb. I mean, the eyes are formed, the nose is formed, the heart is beating, the, the, the brain is, 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 is whatever the brains, brains do, they are synapsing or whatever it's called. You know, the brain is going. I mean, the thing is, it's a, it's a baby. 
but it's not recognized as a person in the state of New York, which is an absolute tragedy. And it makes no sense. Because what New York is saying and what these legislators are saying is that a person's identity, a person's personhood is dependent upon their geography. Is dependent entirely upon where they are. And if you want to open up that can of worms, then racism can be fully acceptable within every town in America. Because what any town can do is say, fine, that person might be a person in that town, but in this town, in this geography, in this place, that person is no longer a person. Right here. That's what they're saying. It's just a matter of geography. And that's total baloney. It makes no sense. A person's more than just where he stands or where he sits or where he's in utero. A person is a person because of his ability, because of his, his, his potential, because of her, her thoughts, because of her desires, because of her potential thoughts, her potential desires. All these things make up a person. But especially a person is a person because that is someone that God created. And it's made in his image and likeness. The other thing that, that the governor, the second thing the governor promulgated whenever he said, you know, this bill is a great thing, is he said this bill finally allows women to be free. It allows women to make a choice. It allows women to finally decide whether or not they want to carry these children. And that's something that really is par for the course with this culture. What the governor is doing is he's doing what so many seculars doing are due to women in, in the first place. He's objectifying them. He's saying that women can't control their, themselves. They can't control their impulses. So what, what are we going to do? We're going to take the consequences that come from their actions that they evidently can't control because they're just objects. And we're just going to erase them. Where in all reality, what God wants us to do is to grow up. To recognize that our actions actually have consequences. And we need to own up to them. So that if we're, if we're men and we've done this to a woman, we have to own up to it. We're a woman, and we have this with this child, we have to own up to it. It's not a matter of just erasing it. It's not a matter of just, just eliminating it. It's not a matter of killing it. My aunt kind of summarized it best, really. Very, she's a very shrewd woman. What she said is, I'm fully pro-choice, 100%. If you don't want to have a baby, then don't have sex. Makes sense, right? That's the choice. Therein lies the choice. But that doesn't seem to be a very common thought or common theme amidst secular culture because we view human beings as just objects. Just something that our, our brains are programmed to do this and we're going to do it nonetheless. But that's not true. Human beings are people. And we have a divine ability to make a choice. To choose to be chaste. To choose to be absent. To choose to wait until marriage whenever children are welcome. Until we can actually have children in an appropriate way. This bill does not liberate women. It merely oppresses them and it merely degrades them as secular culture continues to try to do. Fourth thing, and this is not actually something that is promulgated by the governor or the state of New York, but this is just kind of part of the, the narrative that goes along with abortion. What I did was I kind of Googled some of the sources that, that promulgate abortion and are big fans of it. And it's one of the things that they said was that 95% of, of women who get abortions don't regret the abortion they got. They just, they don't, they don't evidently have an issue. And because of that, they seem to say, well, look, it's not a big deal. It's not a problem. But let's be honest, guys. In the height of their power, the Nazis probably didn't regret killing the Jews. In the height of their power, especially back in the 30s and 40s, the KKK probably did not regret 
doing racist acts or burning crosses in people's front lawns. Now, I'm not saying that women who commit abortion are Nazis or KKK members because the circumstances are a little bit different for different people. But my point being is that just because a bunch of people say that something is good doesn't make it good. And especially those people are dealing with something so evil as this, that doesn't necessarily give them the ability to make a judgment on it. Because the fact of the matter is, anytime we deal with evil, we're dealing with smoke and mirrors. We're dealing with something that's deceptive. We're dealing with something that's incredibly confusing. Something that, that, that can't really be parsed out and really can't be figured out. I mean, think about this our own lives, guys. Look at the sins that we commit and we go back and we're like, what the heck was I thinking? This doesn't make any sense. This doesn't help me out at all. This doesn't help me in any way. But I did it anyway. Evil is a confusing thing, which means that for us to make a proper judgment of evil, we have to take a step back from it. Just like Christ did. Christ told us what evil was, but he never participated in it. He never committed it. And that's what what this kind of idea is missing. This idea that 95% of of women don't regret their abortions. They're missing the fact that 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 does not allow us to suitably judge the moral acts of an abortion. Another point they make is that, look, if you have an abortion of a child that's not 22 weeks old, then the child can't feel any pain. Not really that big of a deal. You're not really hurting the thing. You're just kind of getting rid of it. No harm, no foul. Well, let's blow this argument up a little bit. There's a medical problem called congenital insensitivity to pain. And that happens in adults. It's a very dangerous disease. In fact, a lot of, a lot of these people don't live past childhood because they easily break bones and, and, and hurt themselves because they don't feel any pain. But it's a real symptom. What this argument is saying is that we're justified in killing them. We're justified in lining them up and wiping them out because they can't feel pain. What difference does it make? It doesn't matter. They're just going to die anyway, so who cares? It's a very nihilistic viewpoint on the human person. It doesn't actually look at the person and say, look, you have a, little, you have a defect, you, have, you're not, you don't have it all together, you're growing, we're going to wait on you. We're going to try and cure you. We're going to try and help you. No, this is a grisly, disgusting way to look at things because what they're doing is saying, no, we don't have time for you, we don't have patience for you, we don't want to deal with you, you're out. Done. It's bullying at its finest. And finally, one of the points that, and this is, this is one of the more emotional points that is made is what if the baby is going to suffer what if the baby has down syndrome what if, we, what if the baby has has disease would we really want to allow them to live do we really want them to come into this life and come into this world especially the way the world is it's so dark it's so dank so much chaos, so much darkness. Do we really want to bring a, a crippled child into this world where there is so little love for it? And the answer is really in Psalm 49. Psalm 49 says this, and I think this is the, the reason why we, we have that attitude towards sick children. In his riches, man lacks wisdom. He is like the beasts that are destroyed. Guys, Suffering and, and to spare children from suffering is a rich man's mentality. And I say that as speaking as a rich man. I am, I have, am very blessed with, with whatever, everything that I need. I am, I am fully, I will admit, I have more than I need 
And I tend to, we tend to all fall into this mentality, myself included. This idea that life is about comfort. This idea that life is about, about not suffering. It's about not being challenged. It's about getting by. Life is about kind of coddling ourselves. And let's be honest, that's baloney. It's total baloney. Life is not only good if it's comfortable. Life is good because life is good. Life is amazing because life is. Because we have it. We didn't make our life into existence. We were, we were born into it. God gave it to us. And people are good, not because they're comfortable, but just because they're good. From the very bottom of their being. And doggone it, the fact of the matter is, is we're not called to just comfort. We're called to greatness. And there's no greater thing that we can do in this world than to do something really, really, really hard. There's probably nothing harder to do than to take care of a sick child. Take care of a child that we know is going to suffer. Take care of a child that we know can use some tender love and care. Take care of a child that we know is beloved by God the Father. Beloved by Jesus Christ. That was the beauty of this second reading. The second reading, St. Paul points out that, the, that those, we, the weakest among us in the body are those who get the most glory. And it's so true. Especially whenever we're talking about babies. How much love, how much attention, how much of our lives go toward the care of babies? Go toward the care of little ones. All kinds of attention, all kinds of love. Not because they can give us anything, but because it's just the right thing to do. It's what we're called to do. It's what we're wired to do. It's how our brains are working. We're made to take care of the littlest and the weakest among us. And whenever we go against that, it's a sin grievously and it breaks the Father's heart. My point being, ultimately, guys, though, is that while all these arguments are good, they're not as good as a good story. So let me finish my story. Isabel and I, we had a good time that night. She was actually my only dance partner. No, nobody else wanted to dance with me, I guess. But we waltzed and jitterbugs for 45 minutes, and she fell asleep on my arms. It was amazing. It really was. And as she was falling asleep, right there in my arms, a thought came. Not the grisly thought about the abortion, but another thought. Thought about Dr. Seuss. And that prophetic voice, the prophetic line that he wrote, in that awesome, awesome book that we all read, you all know this, Horton Hears a Who? You know what I'm talking about? That awesome line that was so applicable to that little child right there, Isabel, that I was holding in my arms. And it's so applicable to what we're hearing about and what we're reading about today. And it's so applicable to our lives. That a person is a person, no matter how small. Amen.